Hello and welcome to 76 Small Rooms, a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa, New Zealand. Here today, that we're all of us here today, um, Arch, Yay. Tash, Yay. Jeremy, Ful- hello Jeremy, hello, <laughs> and myself Matt, um, and we're here to talk about Pizzo von Elderichshausen, who is a, um, a team of architects, or two, a couple of architects who came and joined us at the Institute Conference earlier this year, um, and Arch and I caught up with them to talk about their work and their approach to their work. Um, how would you describe their interview, Arch? So they're a very thoughtful pair, and I think in the interview I, I describe them as probably two of the most contented architects I've ever spoken to. It's a very dense interview. I've really struggled. I've really struggled to unpack it, eh? And I don't even know, I don't even know if I learned more about them from the interview. Do you think you... I think I may have come away more Do you think they're deliberately trying to cultivate an air of mystery or impenetrability? I really don't. I think they're no. completely sincere. But they're super bright. Yeah, oh, they're definitely super, super bright. Mm. Um, and the rigour of not doing anything in a kind of complacent or relaxed way, like even the way they, they have a systematised method to sign their drawings, that pegs it to a moment in time. In time. You know, there's no, there's attention to every aspect of what they do. How would you architects describe their architecture? I describe it as very quiet architecture. It sort of sits in the background, it's, there's nothing to necessarily um, draw your attention to it. It's, I, we talk in this interview a little bit about it being a blank canvas, something upon which life happens, um, and it, they kind of, kind of treat, keep out of the way, don't they? of the things that happened. Yeah, well, that was my view, but they didn't disagree with that take. What did you think, Tash? I think it's a, a very contemplative, sort of cerebral type of architecture. It's, it's really poetic. I mean, when I first saw their work, before I'd seen their presentation, I thought, oh, this is quite an academic approach. It could be architecture that happens anywhere almost without a site. But I, I actually think that the the site and the relationship of their building to the site is as deeply important as the relationships they set up within their architecture and that they're trying to use their architecture as a kind of medium to transport the um, the viewer or the person experiencing it to another time and place, um, perhaps uh, one that reaches inside their own memory or, or um, personal experience. It's... Um, yeah, it's it's hard to describe, but it, it's stunningly beautiful. Mm, yeah, and it's weirdly, it's almost ancient in what mm. it kind of tries to do. I think it's found it really like concentrated, really distilled. Mm. Um, you know, it's almost like the big bad wolf had come to it and like blown off all of the kind of decoration and all of the unnecessary stuff, and then a cyclone had come through, and then five thousand years had passed. And then what was left was this extremely concentrated, pure mm. uh, space. But also re- quite geometric and quite mathematical. Extremely modular and rigorous to sort of dimensions and spacings and things like that. That means that it looks simple in plan, but it's really, really sophisticated oh, to yeah. get it there. I think we should get started. Our listeners are probably sufficiently intrigued. 
so much of the um, much of what we heard you talk about today and stuff I've seen in, in a video of mm -hmm. you speaking mm -hmm. earlier, you stress um, the work. It feels like the work is falling away and getting out of the way of the human experience, so that the human experience is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And Sophia, you said something about the pure proportion of a window because mm -hmm. it's least distracting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess, um, and many architects talk about their architecture amplifying or intensifying um, those experiences. Yes, Yours, yes. Your, the way you spoke about it felt the opposite. Is that no? No, 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 no maybe no, that's no, why no. I say it might be misunderstood. I think the only way you can acknowledge architecture is by experiencing it, no? and, or at least a, a complete way of acknowledging it. And I guess what I, was, I meant by that comment is that you need we are very interested in creating relationships that can allow for that experience to happen in terms of an integral situation. Um, we're not, we're not um, breaking it down into pieces, but we're trying to articulate everything that happens, the person, not only to the building, but from the building beyond. Mm -hmm. and, and in that sense, we are very aware that reality is a lot more complex than we can anticipate. Therefore, our buildings try to create a mediation between that reality and the person occupying it to, of course, we would like that to be the most uh, rich experience possible. Mm -hmm. But not knowing everything that will happen, we're also, also over time. Um, it's not that we're customizing one single experience. We're allowing for as much interaction as possible in a certain way. We try to identify what is important about every single case. Every case is different in our eyes. And, and then the mediator we, we generate tries to be as atemporal as possible, as uh, accurate as possible to withstand time, withstand different uses, withstand different times of the day. Um, and that's why I think maybe it ha they have a degree of neutrality, mm. but in the end it's also, I think, a degree of modesty of saying we do not really handle every single thing that's mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. I think about it slightly differently. I think, to me, it seems you do the least that you need to do to maximise that experience mm. in many ways. Yeah, man, I, I guess Sophia is referring to uh, an attitude to, towards the practice of insisting with a way of approaching to architecture and and the capacity of that architecture to to evolve over time to to be resistant to the pass of time and i think that it's fundamental in that perspective to understand that what is normally referred as an experience or or those are architects who claim to be only uh, experiential or, or sensual, uh, they are talking about the immediacy of a perception, the immediacy of looking at something and uh, feeling the temperature and walking in a place and, and, and staying, feeling the, the, the temperature of a place or, and so on. But in our view, that's a reductive notion of experience. So experience is that the immediacy of a, of a reality, but also the experience that you have already accumulated in your own memory. So mm -hmm. it's part of 
what is in your mind at the moment you are having a perception which is totally different. So the moment I am touching a surface, I'm walking in a place, I am having a connection with a reality, with a physical reality, based on my own experience. So it's not that we're feeling the same temperature or we are feeling the same uh, softness mm -hmm. of the surface. Everything is relative to our own bodily condition, but also to our own mind. And, that, and I, in those terms, I think it's fundamental in architecture to think that an experience is uh, rooted in life, in, in a personal condition, deeply in a, in a human condition, and but also that the the perception of a place, the direct experience of a place, is not uh, enough as a goal for architecture. So if you're in a place and you feel the temperature and you are having sensations of contrast or your eye reacts or your mm. body reacts, mm. that's one part of, of the, the, the equation somehow. Because the other half should be what you imagine or what you think about that place, what you learn about that place or what you know about that place. And, and that intellectual construction, we cannot say, and, and in fact, when you experience uh, cons cons the most uh, radical conceptual art, most of the time the experience is very weak, it's very poor, because you have to read a text mm -hmm. and that's boring, it's not sensual, it's, not, uh, it's tiring or, or may maybe too flat. And, and I think that there is another dimension that is inevitable in architecture, which is to be physical and at the same time to be conceptual to be uh, tangible uh, and at the same time to be intellectual or mental or uh, part of your own imagination. And, uh, and that's why I agree with what Sophia was mentioning about this, it's a larger scope of, of the, the, this pursuit for, for a deep experience in architecture. Are there differences between your experience? You can never really know the difference between your experience of your work and all of the unique ways in which other people will experience it. No, I suppose. no, no. We wouldn't ever expect mm. to do that. I think what we do with our work is, with every case, because we're not interested in repeating what we do. Or, of course, we repeat things where we feel we still can learn something mm -hmm. from them, or we haven't exhausted or found a solution to something but if, if not I don't think I don't think um, we are arrogant enough to think to, to pretend to have a solution no, we we try as much as possible to identify in every case what what's relevant what what's superfluous, what's deeply important for our relation. For our relation, I mean for a, sp a spatial structure, for, for the unfolding of certain spaces and certain... Uh, experiences? Experiences, or, yeah. yes. And then if we can identify those elements and articulate them in what we think is important uh, as a totality, <laughs> to create a system, that's what a system is, an integral... Um, uh, yeah, reality. Yeah, the solution. Mm. Then, 
we also, but there's always margin in, in that solution. There's a lot of margin over time. We think that's also very important. And, and as I was saying before, there are too many variables mm. that happen in any single building. A, a hero of mine is Rudolf Schindler, and he yeah. talked about his work being a canvas for people to make their lives on. Basically, you sort of talked about it as a blank thing, which um, which accepted and helped it, that um, those experiences, but was also, a, in some ways, a blank canvas that could have things applied, which I think, yeah, perhaps, yes. thinking you're working. Yeah, inevitably, every every building, um, apart from the experience it can generate, also exudes certain values and because of the way it's built, because of, of what it's highlighting on, or blocking off um, or what it's stressing or not and I think probably that's the only thing we can be sure we know. Yep. To convey those values. Yeah. Mm. And you said you don't talk about unbuilt work. Mm -hmm. Why is that? There's a lot of talk. No, we can talk, uh, in, uh, we can show projects, but in a, in, in a lecture or in, yeah. in public, I think it makes no sense. There is too much yeah, noise around. And, and, and I think it's, uh, it, it has become, uh, I don't know, a political tool to to pretend you're doing more than what you're actually doing and to... Mm. There's a lot of anxiety. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know any painter who's presenting uh, <laughs> sketches for, for, a, for a painting. It's, uh, that they haven't done yet. Yeah, yes. no, yeah, no. That's, yeah. that's absurd. The, that's the, the, that's the activity is to be able to build. And if you build a single building in your whole life, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But that anxiety of being... But I think to it, it grow and to, to have more projects and, and bigger projects. And our, our discipline, I think, in, a, in many ways, is very childish how it's unfolded. Because, you, of course, when we are in university, we are taught to present our projects and we have to do this in, in a preliminary stage, also with, with clients. And, but that's not the thing. Mm. No, I think we've, thing. Mm -hmm. we've gotten, it's a trap. And somehow we've extended that anxiety and, and infantile behavior to our disciplinary talk. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all, everyone I think has good intentions, but you then, let's, we need to talk about how can you get that to reality and that's, yeah, what yeah. does it do there? That's, yeah. that's the whole purpose of everything we're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you seem like two of the most contented architects <laughs> that I've met. And there is all this anxiety that you talk about, and I work in commercial practice, and it couldn't be more different, but yeah. a lot of it is about next, yeah. next, yeah. Yeah. At, at arguably the expense of now. Mm -hmm. And maybe we've got time for maybe one last question and wrap up, but um, in the Q&A after your talk, you said something about, um, you were asking about the damage done in education, and you felt that, it, that your generation perhaps was free of that. Can you talk a bit more about yeah, that? Because it was a fascinating comment, yeah. and 
I'd love, love to hear <laughs> I more. Think, yeah. I think I offended, I offended some people. I didn't mean to do that. No, no. But I, no, but it's interesting that we feel we're operating in a very uh, special moment in time, in, mm-hmm. in a pivoting point. We, we know, we draw with computers, we know how to use many softwares and for editions of photographs or drawings or modeling and, and production, but we're not fascinated by it. And it's not the only thing. And we do things with your hands. So we're neither, uh, how do you call someone who cannot uh, talk? Uh, uh, mute? No, mm. <laughs> not mute. <laughs> but the one that uh, cannot write uh, ill, 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 illiterate. illiterate, illiterate. Yeah. Uh, and maybe someone 10 years older, they are afraid of computers. And someone 10 years younger, they are fascinated with computers and they, they don't know how to think in, in a, with a different uh, uh, rhythm. So I think, uh, and I guess it happens the same with, with modernism. Those who were trained in the, perhaps, the 70s, they were reacting to something. Those who were trained in the know, mm. 80s, they were reacting to, or 90s, to postmodernism. And, mm. and we, I don't think we're reacting to anything. No, and that's also the, one of the conversations we had about in regards to, to the Biennale and the idea of battles in architecture, we're not fighting with anyone. This is not a battle for us. Um, in the same way, we're, we're not um, denying or killing any fathers or previous generations or previous dogmas. We're trying in the most healthy way we can to, to find our honest response to things and, and finding the tools that make sense for us and and we are we understand completely that other people find other tools mm-hmm. and other ways of responding. What I think I'm more worried about is those who who don't even question the tools they're using and, and that that they're they're somehow prisoners of of all this anxiety to I think for the false conception of more is better, yeah. bigger is better, or... Next is better. Next yeah. is better. Mm. Up to a point that I, I cannot believe when architects show a diagram with an arrow <laughs> explaining a proposal. Uh-huh. Is that the idea of a project? Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm really intrigued by, by, by that yeah. over-reduction. I, I, I don't think it's possible to explain architecture in those terms. No, but I think that this is also a question that maybe we are our era, every one of us, is somehow a victim of that communication has has flattened our way Taking of command. thinking yeah. as well. Because it, many times we also sit with our students, we have to be very careful. One thing is to communicate, another thing is to reduce yeah. thought because of communication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good theme to, to finish on with just one last question, okay. because it, it comes on from that well. The theme of this year's in-situ conference is, is about inspiration, provocation, and reports on experience from leading international architects. So I wonder if you um, have anything to leave New Zealand or New Zealand practitioners with to inspire or provoke local practice, what that might be. very hard. We've just... You've talked for an hour, maybe you think you something <laughs> <laughs> Have we provoked you in well, any way? I think so, and I think of the talks we've seen, and we've still got two more to come. 
the you know for anyone listening who wasn't able to be there you missed an extremely unique um, approach to practice and form and it's um, yeah I guess you've turned the question back on me so (laughs) it was provocative and um, I wish we had more time to speak with you and it'd be great if you could come back out here again and maybe even do some teaching but thank you very much for making the trip thank you very much for sharing your work and thanks very much for talking to us thank you thank you so having listened to that would you all commission them to design your house would they be up in your top picks of world architects to do just that I commissioned them to do my yoga retreat. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> I'd, yeah I'd, something like a studio or a, you know, somewhere where you went to retreat from yeah. things. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't imagine calling them home because they're quite. It's pretty yeah. hard and and you know, um, I won't say cold, but um, you know, they're pretty. It's a pretty raw place to be in. At least from the, some of the work we saw, and of course there yep. might be, there's, there's other examples which we didn't get round to. Raw and cold can be beautiful. Absolutely. Oh, it is beautiful. Right. You didn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were, I was maybe just taking a negative connotation from your suggestion of austerity, but... I think it's no, just it's more difficult to imagine the stuff of everyday life ha- happening there, the kind of, you know, the kids' toys and the, yeah. you know, <laughs> making toast in the morning or, or some of those really yeah. perhaps mundane things that uh, are part of most of our lives. Um, it's difficult to imagine that happening in a one um, bon cousin Pizio house, but I would love to visit one, oh, and yeah. I think to spend some time in one would enrich your life. Mm, absolutely. Would you? Um, I've got a huge list, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? I think that idea. I think I. I think I'm in agreement. I could, as a space of somewhere of, um, you know, peace and contemplation and connection to landscape. Totally, but as a kind of city dweller, I don't um, personally. Well, maybe that would be the amazing challenge, to just be finding the right mm-hmm. kind of fabric in which for them to kind of work. So I'm going to say yes and no. I also like the <laughs> idea of <frustrating> <laughs> I also like the idea of a building kind of imposing itself on you rather than uh-huh. it being built around your daily movements and desires. You having to learn yep. to live within this kind of yep. beautiful austere yeah. structure would be kind of a fascinating experiment, I think. So How I like that. change you. Yeah, I like the idea of being tested by a building rather than just mm-hmm. being able to blob out in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would have to learn that mode of behaviour. I love the idea of eliminating mundanity from my life. Yeah. <laughs> I like my Netflix. <laughs> you been to the website? Yeah. You were, all I can find is their isometrics. Well, that's because I yeah. think they're, they're resisting those traditional proxies for their You know, own. how do I get... Oh, there's a moment photo of that. Talk with those ideas. We, so we, we experimented with the, with the nine squares, three by three. We've done that, and we do this, and we push that. Mm. And then there's the circle, and then they kind of talked about the circle and how we did the circle for a while, and the <laughs> circle sort of appears in their work as well. So yeah. it's uh, it's so fascinating. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's they talk. It is one stream of work. It is one piece. You know, they it all because they do all the um I've done Venice Biennale at least once and I think they've done a few sculptures and um, things as well exhibitions I should say um, and they yeah they're, it's all tied together it's all part of one piece of work 
Yeah, I think you could say that they're more interested in space than they are in living, and that would be mm. kind of a distinct difference than what you probably see in what you're used to in New Zealand, not just in what the architects say, but in what the media also say in reflecting back. The discussion is about home and living, mm. and I think the diversity of work that... that um, these two do is experimentation of kind of space hence pavilions and installations where someone can come and kind of have this experience without actually really without it being a home mm. you know that that circle and if you look on their website at um, some of the biennale and other kind of projects there's a project uh, model of 100 circles which is basically you can just imagine you know just imagine and plan drawing 100 circles that all overlap in different ways and the kind of spaces you get amongst them mm. um it's just such a killer kind of exhibit format. It's and not a home, but as no. a spatial experience, it's sort of really... And then they built it, didn't they? There's a, yeah. Um, yeah, the Benali where they built... Uh, it was 10 circles, all you know, the diameter of which was geometrically based on the other, um, and in plan it kind of makes sense, And um, but as a, as a space itself, it's much more complex than that. So without any, like, um, you know, without any diminishment of the quality of the other speakers... These two were my favourite mysterious architects Mm. and my favourite from in situ. I was completely captivated and I I think why I'm still captivated is I still don't fully understand why I was so captivated. Mm. Oh, it's the the talk that I keep thinking about that's sort of lurking in the back of my mind and comes up, you know, surfaces from time to time. It's sort of... um, yeah, it's it stayed with me because of that that intrigue and uh, perhaps wanting to know more. I just really want to go and visit their work. Yeah. Mm. Oh, hopefully this podcast has helped other people understand their work a bit more. Yeah, mm. go and look them up, check mm. them out. Mm. Okay, so um, that's been episode fourteen, a short, snappy version, and our next one will be with you shortly. So from the seventy six Morums team, thank you and goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.